Hey, hey, what is happening? It is the NBC5 1053 The Fan Podcast. I'm NBC5 sports anchor Pat Doney. Man, the sports world right now in North Texas is just awesome. Jordan Speed almost comes through at Colonial. The Mavs playoff series going on right now. The Rangers can't win away from Globe Life Field. High school football spring ball wrapping up. The Cowboys at OTAs. So much happening right now. It's a busy time, and I think everybody's talking Mavs playoffs. Unfortunately for us, because of the timing of the taping of this show, this is happening right now as the Mavs Game 4 is just tipping off. So we're not going to do a whole lot of Mavs talk, other than I just will say really quickly off the start, Game 3, even though it didn't finish the way that Mavs fans wanted, that was a tough loss after that crazy start to the game that you know had the Mavs up big, that atmosphere at the American Airlines Center was one of the best I have ever experienced in my career. I mean, that place was rocking. When Luka Doncic was introduced, I mean, it was just, it was indescribable. And then when the Mavs jumped out to the lead they had in the first quarter, it was electric. I mean, it was like something, it felt like the Mavs were getting ready to win the NBA championship. That's how loud, so much pent-up energy for that crowd, over 17,000 fans there And then, of course, it didn't end the way that they wanted to as the Clippers come all the way back and win that game. And again, I'm taping this right now before Game 4 even happens. Regardless, the Mavs are going to either have a three-games-to-one lead or they're going to be tied two games-to-two, getting ready to play a three-game series with the L.A. Clippers after winning the first two games of the series out in Los Angeles. If you consider the fact that Vegas had the Clippers at a 78% chance of winning this series before it started... I think most Mavs fans would take either of those scenarios, obviously hoping that they win game four to go up 3-1. But if not, even 2-2 with a chance to still win this thing, I think they would take that with one of the best players in the world, Luka Doncic, playing out of his mind right now. Hey, another great thing that happened in sports this weekend right here in North Texas. How about the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial? Jordan Spieth with the lead going into the final round. Can't find a way to get it done, though, as Jason Kokrak comes through and wins the tournament by one. You know, Spieth was really disappointed after the round. He didn't play great in his final round. I know a lot of people in North Texas would have loved to have seen Jordan Spieth, the Dallas native, get his second plaid jacket. That would have been really cool to see him do that at Colonial as he continues to have this comeback. But I thought Shane Bacon from the Golf Channel tweeted a really interesting stat when he said, Jordan Spieth in his last 112 days has 11 PGA Tour starts, 11 made cuts, one win, six top four finishes, and eight top tens. If just about anybody else in the world in golf had done that, we would be saying this player is unstoppable and on fire right now. But because Jordan Spieth set the bar so high for himself with his unbelievable play early in his career, we look at it right now, we're looking around saying, oh man, Can Jordan Spieth get it done? What's wrong with Jordan? Why is he not able to win these tournaments? Jordan Spieth's playing great golf right now. It's not going to surprise me at all if he goes out and wins a major sometime this summer. And it was fun to watch him in contention and play really good golf in three of the four rounds at Colonial. Here's what Jordan had to say after his round there at the Charles Schwab Challenge. I just didn't play well at all, quite simply. I mean, I could have shot even par today and won the golf tournament and just from the very get-go, um, just a really bad start, and then you know tried to fight my way through it, um, but I was just really off. I mean, I'm, with my golf swing, I just I really lost it this weekend, and um, you just have to be in control around Colonial. 
look, he didn't have his best stuff on Sunday. I mean, that happens in the game of golf to the best players in the world. Here's what I do know. Jordan Spieth is back to this in the standpoint that he's in contention just about every single week right now, it feels like. And again, I'm not going to be surprised if that continues because his confidence level is just growing. And I'm hoping he doesn't allow this setback on Sunday at the Charles Schwab Challenge to impact that comeback because it's been a lot of fun watching him start to play again. Not quite to the level that he did before. That's probably a, a bar that is too high for him to reach again. But right now, he's a lot of fun to watch, and I hope that he continues to play this way because it's great for golf, and it's great for golf here in North Texas. You know who else is back? That's quarterback Dak Prescott. He was back at Cowboys OTAs this past week as the media was allowed to go out and watch one practice at the Star in Frisco, and Dak was running around doing just about everything except for 11-on-11s, which is understandable. That's out of an abundance of caution, but... I'm telling you, man, as somebody who was at that game and watched Dak get his ankle rolled up on the way that it did, in the moment, I'm not a doctor, but I'm looking at it and I'm saying, is his career over? You know, I have friends who are doctors. One of them texted me right away and said, it looks worse than it is. He's going to be back next season running around and playing as if nothing ever happened. But still, you know, just to see how gruesome that injury was. Anybody who saw it at the time, I think they would agree, man, that was brutal. And it's inspiring that he's already back about seven months later running around doing the things that he's doing at Cowboys practice. I had John Mashota, who covers the Dallas Cowboys for The Athletic, on our NBC5 show on Sunday night. Here's my full conversation with John about what he has seen at Cowboys OTA so far. John, thanks for being here, man. And, and let's dive right into the number one topic at Cowboys OTAs has to do with, of course, number four, Dak Prescott, back on the field, running around, doing almost everything with the team. What did you think from what you saw the first time we were allowed to see Dak Prescott in action with his teammates just after coming back from this ankle injury? I think my biggest takeaway would have been if you never knew he had suffered that injury, you, you wouldn't have thought he was coming back from an injury from just watching him on the field. I mean, he looked like the normal Dak that we've seen go through a lot of those similar drills last year. Uh, you know, whether it be individual, whether it be throwing from the pocket, whether it be moving on the run, different things with seven on seven and individual. There was just no point when I was watching him, which is pretty much what I watched for, I'd say, 75 percent of that practice, just because it's the first time we got a chance to see him. I just there was nothing about him that seemed to seem like he was favoring, you know, his ankle or there was no limp or anything like that. I mean, he looked like he was ready to go. And, and as he said, he can play in a game right now. If he absolutely had to, of course, they don't want to do that. You know, they'd rather have a few more months before they have to go through that because you don't want to have somebody accidentally roll into his ankle. Let's say if he's doing team drills, something like that. But from what we've seen, I, I, I certainly believe all the things that have been said by him and Mike McCarthy and the rest of the Cowboys organization that if he's not ahead of schedule, he's right on track. Hard to believe that it's only been seven months, you know, since that major injury, and, and he is on track. I mean, from what I saw, too, just accurate with the ball, deep ball, short ball, didn't really matter. You mentioned he wasn't a part of the full team drills just as a precaution, but I, I don't think Cowboys fans should have any reason to be concerned about Dak Prescott's availability for training camp for the season, do you? I don't. I don't. Like I said, I mean, I think he could play probably not right now, but I would say when training camp starts, if they had to play games then, I think he would be fine. But fortunately for them, he doesn't have to. And so he can sit there and slowly work his way back in. The really fortunate thing for him is he's got almost the entire offense is the same as last year. He's got Kellen Moore back. 
there, there shouldn't be too. I mean, you got a second year now with CD Lamb, who I think has a chance to just elevate his game to another level. So as long as he's healthy week one, that's all that should matter. You shouldn't really, if you're a Cowboys fan, be worried and concerned about if there are certain days between now and even throughout training camp where it's like, oh, Dak didn't go through everything or he only did this or they're giving him another day off or anything like that. It, the whole plan is to get him ready for week one. And from everything we've seen so far, uh, it certainly appears that he's, he's well in that way, if not ahead of, of schedule on that. Obviously, Dak was a big reason why this Cowboys team didn't live up to expectations last year, him missing you know, a majority of the season with that injury. Uh, but a lot of the leaders for this team, the guys that we've been used to seeing on a day-to-day -day are gone, guys like Sean Lee, Tyrone Crawford. Uh, I'm curious your general feel for the vibe of this team right now, because expectations are high again. They always are for the Dallas Cowboys in May and June going into the season. But what have you noticed from this group to this point in off-season work about how their confidence level is going into this crucial 2020, uh, 2021 season up ahead? I mean, the voice of this team is Dak Prescott. It's been that way for a few years, and, it, and it's even more so, more so now after him signing that contract than ever before. And he certainly sounds like a guy that's very confident what this team can do. And then right after the draft was the first time we got a chance to talk to Dan Quinn, and he's obviously going to be the face of whatever changes are being made on defense for just what was an awful defense last year. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And so he certainly seems to feel like he can turn this around pretty quickly. I, I'm sure there's going to be growing pains, particularly early on, while these pieces kind of adjust together. But as you said, when you talk about leadership and things like that, I feel like I know where all the leaders are on offense. On defense, when you mentioned like a Sean Lee being gone, like I, I feel confident you know, Demarcus Lawrence ha has a big leadership part. But after that, man, it's there's a lot of question marks to be. It, it, you know, it was Keanu Neal, Devontae KZ, guys that they brought in from Atlanta. I could see them guys having a little bit more vocal role. Leighton Vanderesh, if he's healthy, he's certainly a guy that you can put in that situation. Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, corners who have been here before. There's several different players, Jalen Smith, that you can point to, but I don't know who the individual just one or two are, aside from maybe Demarcus Lawrence on defense. And I think that they might not even know that right now. I think that that's going to have to play out over time throughout, you know, training camp in the preseason. Yeah, so many questions, you're right, on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, but there are questions, too, with the offensive line. And, and I don't think Cowboys fans have been used to talking about that in an offseason, but we're coming off a year where, you know, guys, I mean, they were missing four starters at one point during the season. It, it was rough last year, John, but, but good sign here that Lyle Collins and Tyron, uh, Ty, uh, Tyron Smith were there practicing at least to an extent during OTA so far. I mean, they weren't doing much, but that, that has to be at least a good indicator that they're on track to be a part of things once training camp and the season gets going ahead, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that they're going to be the offensive line that they were in maybe 2014, 2016. But if you tell me that Tyron Smith is going to play 15 out of the 17 games and Lyle Collins is going to play, you know, have a bounce back season and play every game and Zach Martin isn't going to miss six games, even with getting, you know, Tyler Biotish kind of put in there in his second year as the starting center, I still think that their offensive line with those guys healthy has a chance to be one of the best offensive lines in football. And you put that together with Dak Prescott, with that receiving core, the tight ends that have emerged, and then with the running game, that should be enough. You shouldn't have to be the best offensive line in football. You, I mean, as long as you're pretty good, and and I feel like you'll be that as long as those guys are healthy. And those are big question marks. I mean, I don't – Lyle Collins, that's kind of a 
outlier type thing. I'm not, I wouldn't be su super concerned about him, but with Tyron Smith, it's every single year now for the last five or six years, there's been something. And so is it going to continue trending in that direction or is he going to be healthy uh, for the majority of the season? If he is, then they're going to be in great shape because it's just such a valuable spot at left tackle for him to, even if he's not at an all pro level, just a good solid starter for Tyron Smith. If he's playing 15, 17 games, that offensive line, everything should take care of itself. Yeah, Cowboys fans have to hope that the surgery that he had fixes the problem that has been an issue over and over and over again the last couple of seasons. Because, as you mentioned, if he could play 15 games, I mean, I think that the Cowboys would sign up for that every single time. I, I do want to ask you, John, about uh, maybe a key player that you're saying, hey, this guy really needs to bounce back from 2020 into 2021 if this Cowboys team is going to take that next step, get back into the postseason and try and contend. Who, who stands out as somebody who has to play better in this upcoming 2021 season? Well, for me, I'm going to have to go one on offense and one on defense. On offense, it's got to be Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he just hasn't been explosive the last couple of seasons to the same level he was in the first few seasons of his career. And, you know, not having the offensive line healthy, that obviously didn't help him either last year. And so if you get those guys back and the passing game is what we think the passing game will be, then I expect to see opportunities for Ezekiel Elliott to put up big numbers. And I say him, too, because I can't picture Ezekiel Elliott having a good year. Like, if we're sitting here, you know, eight months, nine months from now, and Ezekiel Elliott is turned in this good year, I don't see any way that he does that, and then the Cow Cowboys don't play well. So it's him on offense, and on defense, it's Leighton Van Der Esch. And, and it's just really about his health. If he can be healthy and he's out there, I think he's going to be one of their best defensive players. Now, that might be asking a lot because it's been multiple injuries. It hasn't been just one or the other. But I believe if Leighton Van Der Esch is healthy, he's going to have a big year, especially going into a contract year like that. Um, I, I just I think he's got a lot left to show. And when he is out there and he is healthy, it seems like the defense is at, has been at its best. And so if he's healthy, then there's a guy right there on defense that he has to step up, have, take another step. And I think he will. I'm going to go off the board here. OK, I'm going to go to somebody who I think a lot of Cowboys fans are like, what? What are you talking about? This is. DeMonte KZ, okay, needs to be the guy who bounces back. And I know Cowboys fans are probably saying he wasn't even on the Cowboys in 2020. I know. All right, he was an Atlanta Falcons safety last year. He came with Dan Quinn. Uh, he was pretty good as the free safety for the Falcons in that Dan Quinn scheme until he tore his Achilles in October. And so there's this huge question about whether or not he can come back from the Achilles injury. He looked pretty good, you know, in OTAs from what we saw so far. And in this Dan Quinn scheme that they run, this cover three Seattle scheme, you know, I've been doing a lot of studying into this this offseason, trying to learn more about can this work, the middle of the field closed type of approach to defense in the NFL. Because Steve Sarkeesian at Texas is telling everybody in clinics, this, you know, if you, if you see cover three, just run RPOs and you'll tear it up. There's no way to stop it. Well, it can work if one thing happens. If your free safety is awesome, if your free safety can be a ball hawking guy who gets back and forth between the hashes and stop the seams from being attacked by an offense, then cover three can work, you know, and what they're doing right now. Um, and that's going to come down to KZ. I mean, if he can be that guy at the free safety position, I think he can make everybody look better in this scheme. And they're running something that a lot of these players are used to running from a couple of years ago, getting away from what Mike Nolan was trying to change him to do last year. And so he's my guy. If he plays great, if he gets back to what his potential was before that Achilles injury, I think that the Cowboys defense has a great chance to bounce back in a huge way because this newcomer, cheap free agent signing could be a huge plug-in guy who makes a big difference. Am I crazy? I mean, what do you think of my theory here, John? No, no, I think you're on point with that. And I will say, just him even being out there, 
last week when we were watching OTAs is a big step for him coming off an Achilles. I mean, that's one of the most serious injuries that players can have nowadays. I mean, when we see Dak coming back from that gruesome ankle injury, you see Joe Burrow coming back from that gruesome knee injury. It really, Achilles is the last one that's kind of left where you just really don't know. Like, even the advancements in medical technology, it's still up in the air. You know, we've seen Kobe Bryant drop off significantly after his. We've seen Kevin Durant continue to play well after his. You just don't really know how that's going to be. And so to even have him out there working with the ones, uh, that was a good sign there. J. Ron Curse, another veteran that they signed in free agency, was another guy working out there with the ones. And, and then Donovan Wilson, a young guy that has to step up too. So, I mean, that entire safety position, let's be honest, it just has been very underwhelming for the Cowboys for the better part of the last decade. And so, no, I think you're right on. If, if you get a big year out of KZ, I think the defense uh, will be in really good shape. We just haven't seen a safety play at a really elite level around here in a while. Yeah, I mean, they continue to not address it in the draft, and they keep hoping to have somebody come up and become a big-time player in free agency. Maybe K uh, Casey can be that guy who finally does it. Well, what do you think of Micah Parsons? You know, during rookie minicamp and, and now transitioning to playing with the veterans and all that, he's fast, he's big, you know, I mean, but it's hard to tell a lot, I know, in these off-season workouts, but what was your initial thought when you saw Parsons on the field the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, he checks the boxes in terms of, you know, the big physical sideline to sideline linebacker that can, you know, go downhill and, and could be one of the team's top pass rushers. My, my only thing, and again, this is one of those things we aren't going to know until we get into, you know, camp and, and even into preseason games. It's they want to work him at middle linebacker. And generally, your middle linebacker is the guy that's calling the defense. And I just I think that could be a lot to put on the plate of a rookie, whereas maybe in a, in a year or two, then that would be perfect for him. He's the leader of the defense for the next, you know, five, 10 years. Then that's what he's doing. But I would just be hesitant about putting too much on a rookie's plate, particularly in the middle of your defense on a defense that had a lot of issues, not only with poor play, but communication issues, some lack of effort. Uh, there's just a lot of things over there when you have brought in veterans like Keanu Neal and then you already have Leighton Vanders and Jalen Smith I just wonder how much they're going to have Micah Parsons call in plays and then the other thing is just you know how much are you going to have him downhill how much are you going to have him sideline to sideline like there's just a lot of things that need to be worked out here because you just you really don't you you've seen it with rookies before they're they're picked high in the draft you don't want to put too much on their plate because it is a big jump going from college to pro and especially for a guy like him who didn't play even this past season, to all of a sudden just throw him out there, have him calling the defense and kind of being the quarterback of the defense there. So, But, I mean, if he can pick all that up, then they'll be good to go because he certainly passes the eye test when you see him running around uh, in the practices that we've seen so far. He was so fun to watch, like going back and watching him at Penn State and his ability to rush the passer as a linebacker, John, to me was the thing that, like, I think that, and the name Bruce Irvin has been thrown around a little bit, what Seattle did with him up there. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, could, it, could they find a way to get him to get after the quarterback from the middle linebacker spot? Because I think, I don't know how you feel about this. I was going to ask you about Dan Quinn in general. You know, Dan seems like a guy who players want to play for. Dan seems like a guy who has had great defenses in the past. I know his last couple years in Atlanta weren't the best, but, you know, he was pretty close to winning a Super Bowl there, right, in Atlanta. And, and so I'm very fascinated to see what the Cowboys' plan is for Parsons. As you mentioned, great point about playing middle linebacker and calling, calling the plays and all that, calling the defenses. But just from a do they let him get after the quarterback with that speed and that athleticism? He's one of the most fascinating guys for me to watch for this Cowboys team in 2021. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the way Dan Quinn will go about it is he'll be careful about how much he puts on his plate. And the more you see him mixing it up will kind of be 
because he's earned it or he has shown that he can handle taking on more because you already have, like I said, Keanu Neal, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander. She's got some pieces there to work with that are veteran linebackers. And you even seen in the first OTAs that was open to reporters that they didn't throw Micah Parsons out there with the ones right away. And I put Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch out there. And I imagine that's how they'll be uh, this upcoming week in OTAs as well and kind of slowly bring him along. And if he shows that he can handle a lot of stuff, then yeah, then you put a little bit more on his plate. Uh, but yeah, you're right about Dan Quinn. I mean, the hands-on is, is very noticeable uh, early on. I, I, at the very least, I don't, I don't think this is going to all of a sudden go from one of the worst defenses in the league to one of the best. But at the very least, I think that there will be less communication issues and guys will be more on the same page. It's definitely going to be getting back to what this Cowboys team did before Mike Nolan. And, you know, that's what a lot of players on this team are used to. Guys like Jalen Smith. And we're going to end with the hard-hitting topic that Cowboys Nation really wants to dive in on here, John. Uh, that's Jalen Smith with the number change. Going to number nine. Uh, I don't really think it matters a whole lot. It's, it's a number. But, you know, for so many Cowboys fans who love Tony Romo, love that number nine jersey, Jalen is, let's call him polarizing, all right, with the swipes and things like that at some inopportune times from time to time. Making the switch to number nine in this point of his career, I wonder if, you know, somebody from the PR department should tap him on the shoulder and say maybe this isn't the best move, you know, but he, he gave a long, you know, post on social media, shared the reason why number nine means to him, you know, a lot to him. And I, I mean, what did you think when, when you saw that Jalen was switching from five plus four equals nine to number nine? And he's going to be wearing the number nine uniform on defense next year for the Cowboys. No, oh, my first thought was just I can't believe that he's willing to buy out that remaining stock of old 54 jerseys and T-shirts with his name on them. Uh, I saw ESPN reported it could be worth up to almost 500 grand. He might have to pay for that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of numbers I like, too, but I don't like them that much. So <laughs> that was the one thing is that I, that he was willing to you know spend that kind of money uh, to make the change in, in terms of the Romo thing. You know, I, I don't think that fans should be upset about it. It's just a number. But with that being said, because of the way Jalen has been as a cowboy, you know, I feel like for any good play he makes, there's also another play where he's celebrating after the other team has a six, seven, eight, ten yard gain, or he's celebrating late in a game after a play and they're down two touchdowns and just doesn't pick the right time to do some things. And with social media, it's become very easy for fans to get annoyed with some of that stuff. And so that factors in. If this is, you know, DeMarcus Ware in his prime and moving from 94 to 9, I don't think you'd hear many people complaining about it because of the production. And if Jalen Smith has his best year as a Cowboy in number 9, people won't care either. It's just what we've seen up to this point and that the fact that Tony Romo is so beloved with the fan base that it kind of made for the perfect storm for people to – be annoyed by the decision. Yeah, it's just one of those where you just want to say, hey, look, man, I get it. It's a lot of money, though. And we need to point out his comeback story is an all-timer, okay? So, like, you know, Cowboys fans, sure. I feel like sometimes just push that aside and go straight to the swipe, you know? Like, but, I mean, it Absolutely. does need to be pointed out that his comeback story, it's going to be interesting to see him, though, at a number nine jersey come up, uh, you know, on a consistent basis in games, especially this fall at AT&T Stadium. Hey, check out John Michotta's work on The Athletic. Does a great job covering the Cowboys. John, look forward to seeing you coming up here at uh, OTAs and minicamp and then at training camp, maybe out in California, it sounds like. All right, bud? Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be talking Cowboys football again and to do it with John Michotta, who is a great reporter 
and one of the really good guys in the Dallas Cowboys media, one of my favorite guys to talk football with. Let's transition out of the Texas Rangers, who are struggling right now. 12 road losses in a row after they lost against the Mariners in Seattle on Sunday. That ties a franchise record for a road losing streak. Right now, they just can't do anything away from Globe Life Field, which is surprising because when they came back to Globe Life Field, remember, they swept the Astros about a week ago. Nothing going right on the road, though. After the game on Sunday, Nick Solak, the Rangers' second baseman, talked about what's going wrong and what they're going to try to do to get things right. I mean, it's tough. It's not fun. You know, I mean, we're we're battling. I mean, we're, we're playing some really close games. Um, and... I mean, we're we're a hit away here and there, and a play away on defense here and there. You know, I mean, we're we're really close. Uh, you know, and in these games, uh, so you know, it hurts and it sucks, but um, that's you know how this game is, and we're gonna keep battling. Um, and you know, the, the hits will start falling, and we'll make big plays and pitches, and and keep going. And um, that's just you know what we're gonna do. We're just gonna keep going and keep getting after it. And unfortunately for Nick and the Rangers, they're still on the road this week. Starting on Tuesday, they're playing in Colorado against the Rockies, and so still away from Globe Life Field. We'll see if they can finally end that road-losing streak in that series there. Uh, Let's wrap things up here with our high school football team of the week. And this week we're talking about a program that consistently has players that look like NFL offensive and defensive linemen. I'm talking about the Euless Trinity Trojans coming off a fantastic season. Coach Chris Jensen does a great job there at Euless Trinity. They have one of the most dynamic runners in high school football in the state of Texas. Oklahoma State commit Ollie Gordon, who rushed for over 450 yards against Allen in a playoff win last season. He's back this season but he's playing quarterback for the Trojans this year. I caught up with Coach Jensen at Euless Trinity's spring practice about a week ago and talked about his program and Aldi playing QB, what it means for his team in 2021. It is a spring season that we've never experienced before. You know, having the, the season go so deep. Um, did you notice your guys getting more worn out? I mean, at the end of the year, and and did you combat? Are you so you're doing fewer practices now, right. but you I feel like you have to be proactive with something like that because you want them to be fresh again come early August, right? Yeah, uh, you, you can't can't just do what you've always done. Even though it looks like we're gonna we're kind of coming out of this pandemic, we're still adjusting, you know, and having to do things a little differently, just to uh, keep from running the kids, you know, into the ground. Um, you know, we. We were eliminated in the fourth round, and two days later, we're back in school. There was no time off. There was no time off for coaches or players until spring break, actually, you know, as far as a, a solid week. Um, and, uh, you know, vacation time and time away is built in for a reason to, you know, keep you from losing your mind uh, and just you know, from burning out. So um, we really kind of just, you could see it in the kids' eyes, they weren't ready to start you know, the full regular off season, you know, the way we've always done it. Um, and like I said, the way we've always done it, uh, you, you can't do that right now. Not yet. Now, maybe next year we can just go back to, you know, what we did in 2019 and just stay with that. Yeah. One guy who probably deserved a little bit of a break was uh, your running back, you know. Ollie Gordon, I mean, that performance against Allen is one that I'll never forget. Um, and he's playing quarterback now for right. y'all. I mean, what went into that thinking? And... 
I'm guessing he's still going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit running the football based on what I saw in previous years. Is that, or maybe not. Is that the plan? Uh, we're not taking any carries away from, from Ollie. We're just adding the dimension that he can throw the ball to, you know. And you know, he was a quarterback seventh, eighth, and ninth. And then his uh, sophomore and junior year, we were solid at quarterback, so we were able to play him somewhere else. But the plan has always been that his senior year, he's going to go back to quarterback. So uh, he's doing great there. And, uh, you know, there's other things that come with quarterback now. You don't just play. you got some other responsibilities as far as no matter what team you're on, if you're the quarterback, it comes with built-in leadership, and he's doing a good job there too. But when your best runner is your quarterback, right? that gives you an aspect. You, you guys have always had good runners at quarterback if, as far as I, I can remember, but when you have a guy that talented at quarterback, I feel like that opens some things up for you. It's almost like being able to run the wildcat with a quarterback who throws better than a Wildcat quarterback would. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's very dynamic. And so uh, he, he can make a bad call into a good one, you know. So it's uh, it's going to be exciting with, with him back there. And, uh, yeah, we're, it's been the plan the whole, all along. And people think, you know, well, what are you doing moving him, you know? Do you have someone better at him at tailback? You know, like, no, you're overthinking it. He's only going to touch the ball more, so we're not crazy. Yeah, they're not crazy. Ollie Gordon's still going to get the football in a lot of ways and opportunities to win games for this Euless Trinity program that seems to win games just about every single year. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't had a chance to check out previous episodes, we'd love for you to do so, including interviews like with some of our favorite guests that we've had to this point, Ted Wynn from The Athletic, who covers the NFL from a national perspective and breaks it down from an X's and O perspective. J.T. O'Sullivan, who is the creator of the QB school, the former longtime NFL quarterback, broke down his experience playing for Mike McCarthy and what he thinks Dak Prescott can improve on. Then we have our local guys from 105.3 The Fan, my, my buddies over there, Sean Sharif, R.J. Choppy, Mike Bassick, uh, Jeff Cavanaugh, Brian Broaddus. These guys join me almost every single week to talk all about North Texas sports. We're doing our best to have the best guests we can every single week. If you like the show, we'd love for you to go on and rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. or a lot of these interviews are also available on our website, NBCDFW.com. We will see you again next week for another episode. Have a great week, everybody. 